data storytellers. Today, I'm here with Aureo Zanon, who is the Director of Analytics and Insights over at Havi. Great to have you with us. Thank you. My pleasure, Paul. So we always like to start the podcast with just uh, a little bit about your background and your your you know your previous experiences and and also a little bit about the current role as well. So maybe you could give that to us. Yeah, for sure. So uh, my name is Aldo Zen and I'm originally from Brazil. I live in the US for about 17 years now. <laughs> Has been a while. Uh, I'm, my background is in mechanical engineering. Uh, I, I know there are several analytics professionals with this type of background. I've been working pretty much as a, an industrial engineer uh, originally in my career and later on, uh, more specifically in supply chain, right? So uh, I did build a kind of a strong career, I would say, in supply chain, working for very uh, large companies like General Electric, Motorola, United Airlines, uh, Bricer Corporation, uh, that's by the way the company I uh, joined first here in the US for a couple of years, and most recently Havi, where I lead today. Uh, by the way, my most recent assignment now is to lead the DevOps organization, so that's why uh, that's where I am right now. I started leading analytics and insights. I'm mm. uh, still working very close with them, but uh, I'm now leading DevOps for the company. Awesome stuff. And you, you have a pretty interesting background because I see you've been working in like lean and, and CI and OPEX uh, quite early on. Yes. So what? How, how did you go about that transition to data and analytics? It's a very good question. So, so as a mechanical engineer, uh, I've been a mechanical engineer for probably six months in my career, right? I've been around for over 25 years now. Um, uh, I think everything started uh, back when I was an intern in uh, Procter Gamble at the time. That's when I was first exposed to logistics. Uh, and one of my directors there challenged me to help him solve some interesting optimization problems. So I have learned operations research in college, right? So we had a class and we knew about the simplex methods and things like that. But when I was exposed to that uh, and he started challenging me, I noticed that, yeah, there's some very interesting potential here, right? So I ended up getting back to school, some, did some graduate uh, courses on that and started working on that field. Uh, later on, uh, I had the chance to join General Electric as part of their technical leadership program. And I was also exposed to some very interesting optimization type of problems and analytics problems. I was exposed at the time to discrete event simulation, for example. All those techniques, right, that would require some level of applied statistics, let's say, uh, especially on the data collection portion. Uh, and this somehow led me to this career. So I'm thinking about now, uh, it has been a while, over 25 years, I would say, uh, I got initially exposed and it gradually migrated into a more uh, data analytics, IT type centric type of job. And that's pretty much what we have today. Um, I spent some time, as you mentioned earlier, as a, initially as a Six Sigma black belt. Uh, I was trained by General Electric at the time, uh, back in the late 90s, and then uh, by Motorola in uh, the early 2000s. Uh, I was very fortunate with Motorola to be exposed to 
what the time at the time Motorola called Motorola Labs. Uh, I was uh, one of very few individuals uh, who were hired at the time in South America in one of the subdivisions of the Motorola Labs called Motorola Advanced Technology Center. And I was surrounded of, you know, great talent in Motorola. So I learned a lot from them. I got some assignments, for example, to support what at the time uh, was called data mining, right? So mm-hmm. this is an expression that we no longer have, or we used maybe, but not uh, is too broad, I would say. So we were developing some algorithms, working with decision tree, things like that. And it was a, a very interesting global initiative. So we had folks in Brazil at the time, we had folks in Poland, we have folks here in the US, all trying to put together a set of methodologies having in mind the use, right, uh, by decision makers at the, the company. So it triggered a kind of, a, oh, this is something that is relevant. This is something that I believe can, you know, lead me somewhere. And I started digging and digging, got back to school, got some degrees in quality engineering, applied statistics, most recently, uh, about a little, maybe eight, ten years ago, I got back for a master's in uh, analytics and focused specifically on a computer vision, for example. And this has been one of the techniques I've been using uh, since then as a role hobbyist, uh, by the way, and professionally, right, mm. in my previous company. So uh, I think it, it has been a journey, <laughs> I would say. I cannot tell you this is how I get there. I think there were opportunities and there were, you know, applications and a lot of failures, right? And some successes. And we we, we ended here today. Yes, absolutely. It's, it's so interesting because uh, you've kind of been on a very a journey of, of like company priority. You can kind of see it in your background. So, so what I mean by that is if you look back 15, 20 years ago, the big priority for a lot of uh, manufacturers and also even like companies just looking at lean and ci and this it was like process improvement right process optimization um and the problem then wasn't the process it wasn't having the right technology to deliver that process it was always about buying right it was always about how do you lead a lean culture for example how do you uh, integrate a, a mindset of continuous improvement into the organization and as you've kind of graduated over the last decade or so what what some people are calling the decade of data you're you're actually uh, finding, or you. I, I wouldn't be surprised if you're finding the same problems. You know, how do you uh, lead business change with analytics, for example, or how do you integrate an analytical mindset into the business? These are all the same problems, but you've kind of gone on the same journey that a lot of companies have gone on as an individual, which is which is super interesting as well. So, uh, you know, looking at the, the the current role, especially like, how do you see data analytics today? So, what do you think about the data function in general, the general progress of data-driven business transformation in the corporate world? I would say uh, a lot had happened, right, in the analytics fields uh, during the the last 10, 20 years. Uh, So, for example, uh, what we today call machine learning, right, is something really big. Uh, The way we collect data, right, is also really big. Uh, We have things like RFID, we have for example, blockchain, right? We have technologies uh, like computer vision, for example, right? That can extract a lot of data, right? We have most recently 
with the advent of new techniques like transformers and things like that, we are seeing revolutions, right? Like ChatGPT, things like that. Mm. But uh, I believe conceptually, right? Uh, and that's why I, it's so important, right? When we, especially when we are working with professionals in the field, that we have some really strong professionals, right? So conceptually speaking. Uh, I think the techniques, they come and go, right? Uh, you've seen, for example, uh, neural networks, right? From 50 years ago and coming back most recently, right? The advent of deep learning and all the things that are happening around that. Uh, but the, the good understanding, right? The conceptual understanding of those techniques is what I believe is, is key, right? Uh, for the field. So in my mind, uh, Companies took advantage of that uh, during the last uh, couple of decades, I would say. Uh, we have been exposed to several commercial products, right, that have helped companies. Uh, and some companies, given their uh, needs, they had the chance to develop their own, right, technology and somehow conquered some competitive advantage by doing that, right? So... Uh, there are several examples I can tell you. Uh, in the case of supply chain, for example, the field that I ended being uh, specialized on, uh, I believe uh, there's some technologies that are really relevant in, in our field, right? So if you think about, for example, uh, you were talking about uh, the use of uh, lean manufacturing, right? And uh, understanding flow, right? Uh, the idea of traceability, right, in the supply chain, being able to uh, understand, right, uh, where your product is, right, understand how uh, the, the in the several echelons of the supply chain, how things are moving and being transformed, right, understanding the risks around, right, uh, those supply chains and somehow interacting to mitigate them. So those are all very, very important pieces of supply chain management today uh, that are enabled mm. right, by analytics and data. Uh, data is uh, the fuel right, of all this. Mm. It's so true because when, when if we tie it back into to Lean as well, Lean was essentially a plot, a plant for plant floor program for Toyota, right, in the, the 70s and 80s. And then the other car manufacturers got into it, then other manufacturers got on it, and then it went into the service space. Uh, and it's the same journey for supply chain optimization, right? And I think you you probably saw that when you were at United. But uh, again, tying it back into the the DNA space, what we're seeing here at the data storytellers is that supply chain analytics is kind of getting this almost a it's getting shunted off to the side for, for functional responsibility. You know, we're just lumping it. You have like the yeah. global analytics for the business, and then you have all the functional analytics. But actually, especially for a company like yours that's built on its supply chain uh, prowess it should be at the forefront. So what are your thoughts on that? How do you think that supply chain uh, supply chain analytics leaders can help bring the importance of supply chain analytics to the forefront? Yeah, so uh, I'm very proud to be part of an organization today, Harvey, uh, uh, which strength is in supply chain analytics, right? So among others, right, we are really good on operations as well, but uh, we should say uh, we have some really good brains, right, to manage supply chains uh, around here. Uh, as you mentioned, right, so it's all about efficiency, right, at the end of the day. Uh, and that's the advantage that uh, you can conquer in the supply chain. You can certainly 
uh, run a supply chain with inefficiencies, but at the end of the day, uh, in a very competitive market, uh, what you see is that you will reduce, right, your ability to conquer new clients and uh, deliver results. So we believe that uh, optimization uh, is a key concept, right, around uh, supply chain. When we talk about lean, you did mention uh, the production system mm -hmm. that is, by the way, from the the, the 40s, right? Uh, coming from the need, right, to mm -hmm. uh, build something with very little resources, right? So how, how do we do that? When you're exposed to this type of struggle, you come to realize that, oh, there is a better way to do things, right? And uh, the key point, I believe, around uh, lean and about continuous improvement is the continuous piece, right? Mm -hmm. The idea that things do not happen uh, overnight, right? Things are evolving. And companies who are uh, which are able to understand that, right, and create an environment where you can experiment, you can fail, and you can continuously improve, are the companies that are at the end of the day going to succeed, right? So, in supply chain planning, for example, uh, there are many uh, interesting problems, right? So, when we talk about demand forecasting, for example, right, this is a, a huge challenge, especially in these times when we have events that we do not necessarily control, uh, it becomes uh, really important to understand, right, your data, right, and to build models around that data that can lead you to better decisions downstream. So there's a lot of sophistication, right, in mm -hmm. building those models and making sure those models make sense, right? Uh, validating some of, of those models is key. Uh, and we believe uh, that uh, there is a lot of opportunity on that field as well, right, uh, moving forward. I used to work for United Airlines, uh, and uh, I, I was uh, once early in my career over there, my almost 15 years over there, I was exposed to the problem of uh, planning spare parts for aircraft, right? So if you think about that, uh, you don't know when systems are going to break, right? Especially a very complex system like an aircraft, right? But how can you, right, by gathering all the data you have available all the way from, you know, reliability data, sensor data, right? And information about previous or historical demand, how can you come up with some sense, right? That, yeah, you're going to have some demand, uh, in a certain point in the future, right? And more than that, you have not only the temporal problem, you have the geographical problem, right? So where is that demand is going to come from, right? So it's from the US, it's from an European airport, it's from Asia. So how do you model all this stuff? So uh, when I, I look back and I think about those uh, models and uh, how sophisticated they can be, and there's a lot of work to be done by doing mm -hmm. that field, I see how powerful, right, uh, those tools are, and they have been evolving during the last decade or so. Uh, there's a lot of research, right, going on on those things. Uh, at the end of the day, the general, you know, uh, audience doesn't necessarily understand how impactful they are. But if you take a look today at delays and cancellations of flights, for example, and compare against the levels we used to have uh, decades ago, you notice that there's a lot of good work being done behind the scenes, right, for, for those. Mm.
Interesting. And you, you, so much to go on here because you talk about how with continuous improvement, the, the key word there is continuous. Uh, and it's exactly the same with data, right? You you mentioned that having been able to understand the data, interpret it in the right way. And I think that's one challenge. Yeah. So the million dollar question is, how do you engage the wider organization to invest in analytics and data? I think uh, it's consensus, right? That uh, decision-making based on data, right, uh, is the way to go, right? You cannot, uh, yes, there is some room for some gut feeling, let's say this way, right? Or, But at the end of the day, uh, you can go so far, right, using your gut feeling. Uh, when you navigate, right, the the dark waters, let's say, <laughs> of the ocean, you need to have some data uh, to help you make those decisions. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it, it's really, really uh, challenging, uh, the idea of influencing uh, stakeholders in an organization, right? So there are many tools, right, that we can take advantage of and we can uh, play with. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I truly believe that uh, communication is probably at the top, right, of this uh, set of uh, techniques and tools. So when I talk about communication, I'm referring to clear communication, right? The Mm -hmm. idea of having a very concise, right, type of message. Uh, And that's where storytelling comes. Uh, We've been telling stories for thousands of years, right, as a species. Uh, And that's the way people get it, right? So Mm -hmm. Uh, the ability to tell a story and explain, right, using your past experiences, uh, why things are the way they are and why things can be better if we take this or that way is key. But there's some uh, important skills that I think uh, we should be using in order to be able to get to that point, right? Um, And I listed a couple of them. One Mm -hmm. of them is active listening, right? So... Uh, these days, uh, I think we we all believe we know a lot about many things, uh, but uh, there are things we don't know. And uh, one important piece of the communication process is your audience, right? So understanding who you're talking to, being that person, uh, a data analyst all the way to the CEO of the company, right? is a really important, right? Understand what is their mindset, right? What they are looking for, right? Mm. Uh, there is something that is really important that, that I usually uh, pay some attention to that is what I call influence mapping, right? So the idea of understanding within an organization and the organization can be a company, can be a church, can be whatever, right? Uh, who who are the levelers, right? Who who are the people really? Who are those stakeholders, and what are their role, right, in influencing, right, uh, individuals? Uh, so this idea is important, and understanding that and spending time mapping that is, in my opinion, very very important. Mm-hmm. Uh, building relationships uh, is a function of that at the end of the day, right? So once you better understand your stakeholders, you can then start investing time on building those relationships. And in my mind, this has been uh, a kind of a struggle, right? If you think about uh, analytics professionals, uh, usually uh, we are introverts, right? We are not the type of people who would engage and interact. And uh, we have usually some strong technical background, but 
every time I talk to you know uh, younger audiences and I, I tell them about the profession, I, I highlight that aspect, right? That is relationship building, right? Mm. Understanding stakeholders, building those relationships, and using for sure, right? Uh, your technical background uh, to build on top of that, but never forget that interpersonal skill component, right? That is so important. Uh, and yes, yeah, so, so much to go on here. So you, you just just tying back to what you first said about storytelling has been has been leveraged throughout history, right? It's kind of what separates us from from the animals almost. You know, if you look at Socrates, Greek Roman conquerors, and of course uh, Jesus Christ, and and then even everyone since since then as well. The the thing that sets them apart, for example, look at Alexander the Great. The thing that sets Alexander yeah. apart really isn't his conquering of the world. It's it's the way that he conquered it, right? And this is what data leaders really need to 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 double down on and, and leverage and i love this idea of influence mapping you know understanding the stakeholders building those relationships he's the kind of the, the the headers there how do you actually go about using influence mapping on a day-to-day basis so especially when you start working for an organization it's important that you understand your working who you're working with mm. right uh so and as you do so right and this takes time by the way right because uh, you can have some first impressions and then you can realize that things are not necessarily the way they are. And there is change also, right? If you think about, right? So uh, individuals, they will uh, adapt, right? And they will uh, behave according to the pressures, right? That are always changing in an organization. So uh, I, I think you need to have a kind of a reference, right? Initial reference, right? So establishing relationship with some leaders, understanding uh, their roles, their responsibilities, the way they think, right? Mm. Uh, what they are really looking for, right? Because it's not about analytics just because we love numbers, right? Uh, and I do, by the way, and you probably do as well, is because this data, those numbers, they can help people, right? Be more successful. They can help the company grow the business, right? So how do we link those two things, right? Mm. So take your technical skills on one side, right? Keep them here and understand what is going on in the organization, right? What is really important, right? Uh, And then when you are able to establish those connections, right? And in between them, you have people who can help you leverage, right? The application of things, uh, then you have power, right? It's mm-hmm. very powerful, right? So uh, I think that's uh, the goal of every, every analytics professional to be able to connect those dots, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, contribute, right, to the success of the organization. So true. I think you're super well dispositioned for this because I imagine the problems that you said, for example, analytics isn't about the numbers, right? Well, what were you saying when you were trying to instill a lean culture at United? It was probably like, this isn't about the process, right? It's not about the process. It's about how you use the process to your advantage, whether that's to cut costs or, but you need to do that by humanizing data and analytics or humanizing lean and CI, right? You need to be able to show that there's a a real tangible business impact. It will make your job easier. It will help you reach new heights. It will help you engage more with the organization and actually, you know, at the fundamental level, enjoy exactly what you're doing. So, you know, just we've heard like a, a lot about you. I'd be curious to see throughout your career, what do you think are the qualities of the leaders who inspire this real change and who are successful at driving these transformations? That's a good question. So uh, I've been exposed to great leaders in my career, 
right? If I start from the very beginning, <laughs> uh, when I was at General Electric uh, as a, a, a kind of a trainee at the time, uh, I had a very interesting leader. He was the head of the engineering department at the time, uh, but he had no degree, right? His, I think the highest degree he had was on accounting, like a technician in accounting or something like that. No, you know, undergrad or... So everybody looked at him like, but I, I can tell you that that individual uh, was the engine behind that engineering department, mm. right? Uh, when I started, uh, I was a little not so comfortable, right? Being exposed to PhDs, doing, you know, uh, school days and things. And then as a sudden, I have somebody who doesn't have a, an undergrad, right? But that individual, uh, he had some very interesting, at, at, let's say, characteristics, right? Uh, one of them, uh, he had what I, I today call a contagious attitude, right? <laughs> so uh, he, he, he did not have a formal education, but he was extremely educated, right? So he was continuously learning stuff, maybe due to the fact that he did not have the opportunity to have that formal education. <laughs> so he was... Uh, he wasn't he tainted. <laughs> he, exactly. He, he, he read in German. He, he wrote papers, right, to German uh, publications, right? Uh, I'm talking about uh, this guy being a mm -hmm. Brazilian guy, right? Uh, working for uh, a, a multinational company. But uh, he uh, also had a very interesting characteristic. Uh, he was afraid of fail, right? He was not afraid of failure in reality. Uh, he, he, what he's, uh, he used to do, uh, and today we say this a lot, right? Especially when we are talking about DevOps and Scrum and things like that. But he was the type of guy go do it, right? And let's see what happens, right? He knew uh, somehow behind, given his experience, that uh, maybe the chances of that idea doing, being, you know, the right way to do things was not necessarily right, mm. but he bet on the concept that people should try and people should learn by trying, right? So I remember was I was exposed to a situation. Uh, we were building um, a manufacturing cell, right? And I was in, in the, the attribution of uh, process uh, manufacturing engineer at the time. And I, I came up with several ideas. I built a discrete event simulation model, right? We use, I collect data for over a week, and I had certifications and this and that. And I came up with a solution, right? That I said, no, this is the best way to make it flow, right? Mm. And he took a look and said, okay, let's give it a try. I, I think he somehow knew that it was not necessarily the best way, but he gave me the opportunity to try and fail, right? And as a result of that, I got so many insights, right? And I learned. So in this sense, he was a, a kind of an inspirational leader right, uh, for us in the department. And then a, a few weeks working with this guy, I realized how, how, how important, right, uh, and how strong, right, that character was to that team, mm -hmm. right, uh, how many contributions he had provided. Uh, so just as an example, right, uh, this guy was also what we call these days a servant leader, right, so mm -hmm. he was always there for everybody, right, his main mission in life was 
to make our lives easier somehow, right? So uh, he was the one between us and a senior leadership, right? Uh, sponsoring things. When uh, I, I told him, you know what? I need to get this software tool so I can build my simulation models and this and that. We did not have that at the time in the company. He was the one who fought for me and uh, got that, you know, in a few days, right? So I was able to deliver that. So uh, there are many characteristics, right? Uh, mm. But I believe that this idea of being uh, a contagious leader, right? This idea of being somebody who can uh, challenge status quo, right? And not be afraid of failing, right? And failing quick, right? And learning from that, right? and making people around him uh, happy, right? Mm. At the end of the day, it's about happiness, right? So uh, so making people feel good, right? That they were doing work that made sense, right? They were contributing to something, mm. right? So yeah, this is so interesting. So important. interesting because the, 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 the this guy, he sounds like he's like a natural extrovert, right? And, and the irony is that a lot of people who come up through the data analytics chain just by the nature of the profession when they get their PhD, and their doctorate it's usually hunched back over a, a computer coding right so the yeah. the actual choices that they've made don't really they kind of align with their own lifestyle right usually it, being introvert is what I'm, I'm getting at here so how do you from your experience what are some of the best way for these kinds of data and analytics leaders to gain more influence within the business uh, as i said earlier i think building relationships is important right so uh you can only influence if you are what we call a trusted advisor, right? So mm. you need to understand, right, uh, your audience. You need to understand what they are looking for. And you need to build that trust, right? And this is something that takes time, right? Uh, build trust uh, doesn't happen, you know, by showing up a resume or, you know, a few... So it's something that you need to cultivate, right? Working very close with individuals, making sure they, they get, right? Your approach, uh, understanding, right? That, uh, making them understand that you're not perfect, right? Uh, you do not want to picture yourself as somebody who can solve all mm. the problems, but you should picture yourself as somebody who is willing to solve all the problems, right? Mm -hmm. And if you don't have an answer right now, you can come up with an answer, right? In a week or a couple of days, whatever, right? Uh, so I think trust has a very key uh, role, right? In uh, building these uh, relationships, right? And, and building, uh, I would say, a good uh, influence machine i would call right uh in in an organization yeah trust is a is a huge one i, I remember someone once referring to trust as a, like a bucket of water you can only fill it up by a drips at a time but it just takes one yeah. kick to knock it all over and then you have to to start again when it comes to building trust so what are some of the best questions to ask when you're trying to build that trust do you think I think you should always start uh, by stating some very open questions, right? In a sense that you can capture more information, right? From that interaction. Uh, as you interact with the leader, right? I think you, you, you should be able to quickly pitch, right? Some ideas, right? Uh, but uh, in a way that you can frame those ideas and transform this, those ideas as you interact, right, with the leader. 
So I think there is uh, there's something uh, we call situational leadership, right? So mm. understanding who you're interacting with, right? And making sure that uh, you, you build, right? As you go, right? Uh, it, it's a kind of a active learning exercise mm-hmm. if you think about, right? So active learning is uh, really, really important, right? So starting by understanding uh, I don't think we need to start with very specific points addressing the specific problem. You need to start by understanding the whys, right? So everybody uh, used to say, right, ask why five times, right? Uh, mm-hmm. So get a sense, right, of what is driving, right, that need, right? And maybe the answer to those whys are not necessarily the same. Uh, from the different stakeholders you're dealing with, right? So also understanding the whys from different individuals you're interacting with and how they relate, right? Because sometimes those whys can not necessarily be in sync, right? If you think about uh, and understanding sometimes some conflicts, right, between those interests is also important. So you can pitch something that will somehow have a higher probability of success, right, mm-hmm. to be delivered. I, I don't have very specific uh, questions, right? Yeah. <laughs> but I would go, as I, I mentioned, right, gradually understand. It's, it's kind of like influence mapping, like you said understand. before, right? So just kind of map yeah. out where yeah. uh, the, the trust needs to be built and then ask the questions based on that. So, so you mentioned a lot of things like active listening, mindset, and obviously this influence mapping, which I'm really interested in. So what role did these skills play in your career success? For example, if you were engaging key stakeholders or integrating an analytical mindset into the business or maybe maybe something else, where did that actually uh, play a role, a, a positive role? Oh, yeah. Uh, I, I'm a true believer that it did, right? Uh, obviously, right? Uh, I'm not the CEO of Google right now, right? <laughs> so <laughs> I'm not probably practicing that the best way, but uh, I would say that the reason why I'm in the US, right, for the last 17 years or so, uh, had a little to do with that, right? I was able to build trust among my peers and my leaders while working in Brazil, and I was invited to join uh, some of them here in the US uh, some years ago as a result of that, right? Uh, and I got promotions through my career as a result of that as well. Uh, in the corporate environment, right, uh, things are not linear, right, mm-hmm. in a sense that if you always do the same, right, and you practice that, you're going to have some assured results, right? It's not necessarily like that. Uh, as we got more experienced, I started to learn, right, uh, how to identify some patterns, right, between uh, not only uh, from individuals, right, but from the way the organization is behaving, right? So every time you have a, a reorganized been, by the way, through several uh, organizational changes in my career, right, I, 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 I had... Uh, the opportunity to work for Motorola, for example, at a time when uh, we were going through a lot of changes, right? Uh, we had many layoffs at the time, and this is public, right? Uh, and Motorola was really trying to optimize uh, its supply chain. Uh, 
uh, reducing costs uh, mm -hmm. pretty much. And specifically in Brazil, uh, we were subjected to one uh, important, let's say, metric that we had at the time was what we call conversion cost, right? So how much it costs to take this raw material and transform mm. that into a product, right? That mm -hmm. can be sold and used. So the what I call the 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 conversion cost wars, right? Uh, especially when you have a global supply chain and you're competing against organizations in different countries, right? Some of them with higher or lower costs, right? It's something that is challenging. And uh, there is a huge contribution in, in, of analytics specifically in the case of Brazil, because if you think about Brazil, uh, Brazil is cheaper for sure than the US, right? And it's cheaper than uh, European countries, right? Like Germany or the UK, whatever. But Brazil is not as cheap as uh, Asia, for example, right? More mm -hmm. specifically at the time, China, right? So how can you survive, right? In such an environment, right? Uh, there is a huge role of analytics and understanding the levelers, right, that can be used to make your operation something that can be an important piece, right, in the global set of operations. Uh, I spent some time uh, with some good friends at the time in Asia, right, benchmarking, for example, and understanding why, right, why these guys are so cheap, right? So, yeah, there is the, 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 the manpower cost, no doubt about that, but there is more than that, right? Mm. So understanding what is behind those things, right, and when I say understanding means, yeah, this is the way they do. But now how can we do that in our environment, right? Uh, so this is what I mean by understanding, mm -hmm. right? So being able to adapt, right, those practices into your reality, right? So uh, this was key, right? Uh, and this uh, allowed uh, our operation in Brazil at the time to survive for several years, right? While we saw several factories shutting down, right, uh, worldwide. Uh, another experience that I had was uh, while working for United, United uh, some years ago, back in the early 2010s, uh, merged, right, with another very large and cultural-rich uh, airline, Continental Airlines, right? And that merger uh, was... Uh, very stressful, right? From mm. uh, internally speaking, right? From the, the parties participating on that, but it resulted in a, a great company that uh, is united today, right? So uh, I think that there was a, a lot of effort, right, to make sure there was respect, right, between the parties, and there was a kind of a learning, right, of what mm -hmm. should be the best, right, to be absorbed from each side. And as a result of that, build this new company that's today known as United Airlines, right, for example. But, uh, yeah, there, there, there are some... <laughs> the change is something we know is certain, right, mm -hmm. in our lives, right? So it's important to, to be able to adapt to that. Absolutely. That was a, a really good idea. of Actually, I like the way you think about these challenges, not just practically, but also conceptually. You actually 
you know, think about why it's like, it's like writing an essay and just jumping straight into it. You know, you need to spend a lot of time planning and thinking about what you're going to say, for example. So I actually like the way that you, you approach this professionally as well. So I, I guess one question I always like to ask on, on the podcast is about your, your process. And I think you're very well positioned to answer this as a, as a Lean Six Sigma black belt uh, and having come from that, that Lean CI background. So when it comes to actually the delivery of, of these, uh, you know, softer skills, like the, the mindset piece and the influence mapping, how rigorous and intentional are you with setting clear priorities, building strategic plans, and then following the roadmaps that come off the back of that? Uh, i.e. do you have a system in place that helps you and the team to deliver and an, an action that execution yeah so yeah there's a need for discipline no doubt about that right going back to to what i was mentioning earlier right about this challenge what i call the conversion cost wars mm. one of the deliverables that we had uh and i went back to school by the way at the time to to build that uh, in a, a manufacturing strategy uh, graduate uh, program uh, was a, a methodology you mentioned in Six Sigma, right? So everybody probably is very familiar with uh, the make, right? Define, measure, analyze, improve, control. So at the time, uh, we created a, a design for Six Sigma uh, methodology. Uh, I call it uh, DDSRA DTC, right? Uh, what is this about, right? DDSRA DTC. Uh, so our objective at the time was to introduce uh, new uh, ways to produce cell phones, right? So in order to do that, uh, we need to understand the traditional way, right, of doing the work. But we need to understand that by using that traditional way would not necessarily lead us to outstanding results. In other words, a, a, a relevant cost reduction, right? So uh, the DSRADTC, by the way, stands for uh, define, design, simulate, run, analyze, document, train, and control, right? So behind those things, uh, we have discipline for sure. And we have a mm. phased approach, right? So making sure that we have a very clear definition of the problem, right? That we are going to address. Making sure that based on that definition and all the inputs we get from our internal and external customers, we can design, right? The best solution to be implemented. When we design, it doesn't necessarily mean we have the best design, right? When we design, it means we have several options in front of us. So how do we decide which of those options is the best option, right? So that's exactly where uh, the simulating the manufacturing uh, environment uh, makes sense, right? Because you cannot mm -hmm. necessarily always implement those different designs in a cost-effective way and in a very short time frame, right? So when you do that and you come up with some of narrow, you narrow down, right, those designs, you can then uh, go and try to run something, right? And you can pick those few solutions and, run, compare, understand what was not necessarily captured by those simulation models. Uh, this is the analyze piece, right? And then uh, once you have that, it's really important to be able to make sure what you have learned, right, is not only yours, but it's a collective learning, right? So documentation, right, uh, is 
sometimes much more important than what people believe it is, right? So making sure you clearly document what you have identified as the best solution, for example. Mm -hmm. uh, one of the struggles of companies these days is exactly uh, many times, it, it, it's unbelievable, right? Uh, uh, we are surrounded by technology uh, and we are recording things, right? We are writing things, we are publishing things, but a lot of the knowledge is not necessarily well documented. So when I refer to documentation, I'm referring to documentation in a sense that people can easily understand what is being proposed, right? I'm not referring to a 300-page document that somebody will keep in a shelf somewhere, right? Mm -hmm. So, and then once you have that, you can train people and then you can, from that point on, control, right, what you're doing. I'm just mentioning this as an example, right? Mm -hmm. So I'm a big fan, right, of having structured ways, right, to approach problems, right? Uh, it doesn't need to be many letters together like this, but mm -hmm. having that mindset and clearly communicating this is the way that we are going to do business, right, is what uh, I believe uh, can make a difference, right, at the end of the day. Mm. So, so you you've been in these kind of change agent roles for a time. Is that how you would characterize your your own role now? You know, do you see yourself as this agent of change across the business, or um, is it like data champion, data evangelist? How how would you do that? A good question. Uh, most recently, as I I, I got this uh, new assignment to lead uh, DevOps, right, and DevOps not only from a ops uh, uh, perspective, but especially from a process perspective, right? So uh, one of the struggles I believe we have in our organizations these days is our ability to retain employees, right? If you think about, especially in technology, right? Mm. Uh, you see people staying for uh, six months, a year, and then jumping from job to job. They end up they are not developing, you know, a really good understanding of what they are doing, right? They simply deliver, technically speaking, what they are asked to deliver. Uh, in my mind, we don't give people necessarily the opportunity to understand and be really creative, mm -hmm. right, to, to deliver things. So in this sense, uh, what we are doing today is exactly uh, figure out, right, what is the best way to do the work, right? What is the best way to interact? So how can we be more agile, right? So uh, agile is a, a kind of a <laughs> uh, buzzword these days, right? So, mm -hmm. uh, it, and it has been for the last 20 years or so, mm -hmm. right? Uh, as you said, uh, its roots is in the TPS, for example, right? The Toyota production system. But how do we really practice, right, agile in an organization. And that's, uh, today is my main challenge, right? So understanding what is the best way, understanding how we cultivate, right, uh, that idea and how we evolve, right? And it takes time, right? And mm. it takes effort, right, to make sure you communicate that it takes time, right? Because some people would say, oh, this should happen tomorrow. And we know it will not, right? We know we are dealing with people, right? We know mm -hmm. people resist to change. People need to be convinced. People need to fail, right? And this can be a very learning opportunity for individuals. So uh, it takes time. And I believe this is in, this is the root, right, of 
really successful organizations. So when you take a look at companies like, uh, I'll just mention Amazon or Google mm. or Netflix, right? The way they do business, right? And the, the way they do the work, uh, for sure, right? I'm not an insider, right? So there are probably many opportunities now. <laughs> <laughs> but their success, right, uh, somehow translates, right? Some of these ideas that I was just referring to so how can we build on top of that, right? So how can we mm-hmm. adapt those things into our reality? It, this is my main challenge today. So that's why I'm engaged with. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's, that's a great point. I think there's an idea that, that, and I think it has has credence, that when you move from data engineer, data analyst, data architect, and then you start moving up the chain towards more strategic data, a big part of the role is kind of being that buffer. Right, like stopping the, the the pressure from coming in, so that the, the the analysts, the engineers can do that job in the right way within a reasonable time frame, in order to, as opposed to over promise and under deliver, right? And that, that's actually a, a very key yeah. point. So, yeah. as you as you go up the chain of the organization, do you think that that's that becomes the job of like the the VPs of data and analytics and the the chief data officers is to be that board level uh, kind of buffer between the rest of the data team? Or do you think that, that obviously there's more to it, but do you think that's a key part of the role? Yeah, I I believe uh, that they have a lot of responsibility on that. But I would say uh, we cannot leave to them and them alone, right? That mm. responsibility. I think uh, this idea of having a or an evangelist, right? Or mm. somebody, everybody looks and, and follow uh, is not necessarily a good idea, right? I do believe in uh, an organization. That's one of the agile principles, right? That makes, uh, is, uh, I would say, is a self-directed type of organization, right? Mm-hmm. So uh, instead of having this responsibility at the higher level, no doubt, there is a need to have understanding and there is a need to having uh, support, right, from senior levels of the organization. But in my mind, the work really happens and starts at the team level, right? Mm-hmm. So uh, we have, uh, for example, right, in Azure, we have what we call, when we use the Scrum methodology, we have the Scrum teams, right? So we have individuals like developers, we have mm. scrum masters, right, working all together and making sure things are delivered. So that level of independence, right, that level of ownership is what, in my opinion, is more relevant, right, to the success of the organization. Other than having a mm. senior VP of something who you know, is the best uh, in terms of, you know, methodologies and mm-hmm, things like mm-hmm. that. Certainly helps, right? I'm not saying it doesn't. And I've seen a lot of people like that, right? Here at Javi, we have outstanding uh, leaders. Uh, but we all believe, right, that things start from the base, right, of the, 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 the pyramid, not mm-hmm. from uh, the top. The top is servant, right? And the top is responsible to make sure the base succeeds absolutely so look it's been a a fantastic interview i think that that we've got a lot of insights we've gone down a pretty unique road here which i I really like just a couple more questions for you so first of all what are you most excited about in terms of the data analytics program at at havi right now 
Yeah, we have we have a lot of important initiatives going on. Some of them I cannot disclose right now, but uh, we have very interesting partnerships uh, in uh, state of the art right mm. type of tools that are being developed. So uh, more to come mm -hmm. <laughs> to, to the, the general public in the future. Uh, one thing about Harvey, Harvey has a very strong. Uh, background right in what we do right uh, we have very seasoned professionals right mm -hmm. people who have been doing this many times for some time and many times doing this in other industries and uh my example right i i i came from the last 14 15 years from the airline industry right so what am i doing in the what <laughs> we call qsr industry now right the quick servicing uh, uh restaurant industry uh, supporting customers, right? Like, you know, QSR type of customers. Uh, I think that's the, the type of thing that makes us uh, very unique, right? Is the idea that we bring together, right? All those perspectives, right? Mm -hmm. And we give people the opportunity to think out of the box, right? And uh, really uh, see a future that is not necessarily going linearly, right? As mm. gradually things evolve, but we can sometimes disrupt, right? Uh, that future. So I, I think this is this is a, a, a very important thing. So there, there are many things going on uh, from a data collection perspective, right? So I'll, uh, I was just uh, recently taking a look at some of the the Gardner uh, reports, right? There is one uh, recent about emerging technologies, right? So they mm. were referring to things like, for example, uh, blockchain. They were referring to things like computer vision. But those things are all happening right now, right? So if you think about their impact radar, right? They're all in the center, right? Mm -hmm. uh, there are many other things that I believe will be key in the future uh, that uh, we need to start taking advantage of. Uh, so I think for those uh, who have some background in machine learning, right, know about supervised learning, right? So the idea of a self-supervised learning system is very interesting, right? Uh, in computer vision, for example, uh, it's really boring, right? Uh, we call uh, labeling or annotation process, right? So mm -hmm. you're training a system and you want to make sure you have ex you expose that neural network, right? Usually a convolutional neural network or something like that to several cases, right? So you can train your model on that. So you today you spend a lot of time doing that. So when we move into a self-supervised learning system, uh, now you can count with the support of some level of automation that mm. will enable this to happen, right? And what comes from that is a much faster ability to learn and build better models, right? Uh, and this is just in front of us, right? So we are talking, uh, there, there is a lot of research going on on that, but there is, uh, there are companies working on that right now and implementing, but I think this mm -hmm. will be available to the, the general public, let's say this way, uh, in maybe three to five years or something like that, right? So... Uh, this will have a huge impact, right? Uh, 
I don't know if you realize that, but we are talking about a huge improvement in terms of the performance of those models, mm -hmm. right? Uh, you see things like ChatGPT these days, right? Uh, I'm a very enthusiastic uh, fan of ChatGPT, <laughs> right? The idea of transformers and things like that. Uh, this is going to scale, right? And this is going to have a huge contribution to the productivity, right, of all analytics professionals. So uh, I have no concern, by the way, uh, about that, uh, uh, about layoffs and things like that. But I do believe that the world we see today in comparison to what we are going to see in the very near future, like mm. one, two years from now, will be very different, right? Uh, things that take us today a week will probably happen in a few minutes, right? Mm -hmm. uh, if you think about it. So imagine what is the potential of that, right? So it's exponential, no doubt about it. Yes, absolutely. So yeah, last question I always like to ask is, what advice would you give for aspiring leaders in data and analytics? In a, in a very humble matter, right? Uh, I, I would say it's important to listen, right? So I did mention earlier the idea of active listening. So listen, right, to mm -hmm. your uh, teams, right? Uh, another very important thing is build your team, right? Find those best individuals. And those best individuals, those are not necessarily you know, the ones from the great schools with the, mm. you know, advanced degrees. Uh, I think there is a lot on the attitude, right, of individuals, uh, especially this thing is the not only being eager to learn, but willing to learn and continuously learn, being a kind of a lifelong learner, right? Uh, in the field of analytics, this is key, right? What we know in analytics today if you compare against five years ago, right, is a huge difference, right? So this is exponentially growing. So if you cannot keep up, right, mm -hmm. if you have, you do not have around you people who can absorb, right, and understand, and there is a lot of noise, right? So you need to be able to capture what is really important. So finding, building those teams is key. Uh, I have been very fortunate in my career, uh, and uh, I had a kind of a goal uh, of hiring people who are better than I am, right? So uh, this is something that uh, I think makes a lot of sense. Uh, and as you do so, right, uh, I think you, you are amplifying your chances of success hugely, right? So... Mm pay a lot of attention to those individuals. Uh, these days, uh, if you take a look, we, we are hiring a lot of people now, by the way, but uh, you see resumes, right? Uh, with a lot of, you know, keywords, let's say this way, right? Uh, so everybody has, for example, Python or machine learning or whatever, right? In their resumes in the analytic field. But when you go and you start interacting with uh, the individual doing interviews and things like that, you start realizing that, yeah, uh, okay, you've watched that 30 minute YouTube video about Python, right? But you're not necessarily at the level that we are looking for. So mm -hmm. uh, this tells you a lot, right, about uh, professionals. So uh, I, I think it's always good to have. Uh, those type of people, right? And, and this is not gender related. This is not 
age-related. This is mm. not race-related, right? I've seen outstanding individuals in this spectrum, right? So uh, I think a very important piece, right, of a leader in analytics is exactly to have the ability not only to identify and attract talent, but keep that talent within the organization, right? Mm -hmm. And in order to do that, it takes a lot of effort. It's not a simple thing. <laughs> well, Aureo, it's been a uh, fantastic episode. A lot of really good insights there. Uh, thanks for coming on the show, and I'm sure we'll be in touch soon. I appreciate the opportunity. Thank you so much. Uh, if anybody want to reach out, you can find me in LinkedIn. Uh, I'll be more than glad to interact. I think an important piece uh, of what we do as professionals is to interact with people and exchange experiences. Mm-hmm. As we do so, uh, we contribute, but we pretty much learn a lot, right? And I, I'm always looking for new learning. Mm-hmm.